apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Annie Mac Home is an equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner men. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10. The overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet a step late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round. Bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to the throwing jabs podcast I'm Big J, joined by Joe Guai and Jared Jones. We got a big heavyweight boxing match coming up later today, not even tonight. I think it's at 2 p.m. It's, it's midday yeah, it is. It's in England. So uh, I, I know because it's on the same time my Jazz are playing. So it's going to be tough. To, I got to sneak away from work to watch one of them. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, we, we're going to talk about that. We also got a fight night tonight in the ufc but first we got some recapping to do speaking of the ufc below muhammad avenges his loss to vicente luque dominant unanimous decision win jared your boy below muhammad gets it done how far out is he from a title shot with usman oh i think he's there who, who else do you want usman to fight He's got to be there. He's got to be real close anyways. What uh, what else you got for Usman? He's cleaned it out. Let, let, let Belil fight the guy. He's And and Muhammad has been dominant in fights that he wasn't expected to be dominant in. He's better than the general public is giving him credit for. 
And if there's somebody there, when I paw through those names that can give Usman run, side note, I don't think there is, might be Bilal Muhammad. I say we give him a shot, for sure. You know, as, as I was watching the fight, I thought to myself, I don't want to see Bilal Muhammad fight anybody else next other than Usman because I don't know that I don't know that he's going to fight any better than he's fighting right now. And if he loses, we lose the opportunity. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I just, I think right now the matchup he gives Usman is honestly the best one of the division. I think Absolutely. it would be, um, you know, it, it would be two guys, right? Uh, wrestlers who who like to scrap. Uh, you know, get down with the grappling. Uh, they're both becoming better strikers. Jose Masvidal might tell you differently, but I think he's wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, I th I think that's the right fight to make right now. Just I, I again, I can't. I don't know how good Muhammad is. You know what I mean? I I I. You know, we talk about this a lot when it comes to the one and the two in a division, and I don't know if he's necessarily the two, which puts him at an obvious disadvantage facing you know, the best pound for pound fighter in the UFC right now. So don't... he's got a shot, but it's, you know, I, I don't know if, I don't know if he's good enough to pull it off. Well, and here's my issue. I don't want Covington fighting Usman or Muhammad. So from what I see here, Chimaev and Covington, Usman and Muhammad, and then the winners fight each other if I get my pick. No, yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm with you there, Jared. But I, they need to book this Muhammad Usman fight now because I think if I think if Chimaev beats Covington, I, I think he can leapfrog Muhammad. So I think they need to get on top of that because th that's going to be Muhammad's best opportunity because I don't think he can get past Chimaev uh, at all. I, I got Chimaev as the the second in that. Division right now. I mean, I I, I like Muhammad, I, especially at what he did last week. But I, I don't know. I, I yeah. Now I mean, not for nothing. Look, Muhammad's doing it against all name guys right now. Yeah, he's on a nice run, and I like I like Chamaya the next as much as the next guy. I think he's I think he's still a a, a step away. So I think I think Muhammad right now is in line next. I think he's the most convenient fight. I think he's the best fight that there is right now. He's done more to earn it. And I'll tell you what, if by chance Covington wins, what does that do? Because nobody wants to watch Covington get beat again. They're, they're, we, we don't want to see it with Max Holloway for some reason. We don't want to see it. Uh, with with uh, Figueroa and da uh, uh, Davis, uh, not Figueroa uh, and Moreno, uh, right? No, we there, there's Whitaker. we don't want to we don't need to write the third and the fourth fights at this point. So again, I think to me, just to spot Muhammad's in, it makes more sense to run that as soon as you can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. But I, before we move on from the the the, the UFC welterweight division. I want to throw another name out there, and I want to know how he fits in because I mean we're talking about Chamayev, we're talking about Muhammad, uh, Leon Edwards. He was, a, I mean, he was there at, at the top at one point, and now he's falling off. And I, but he's still like 
something could could he him and Muhammad rematch? Because I mean, we know what happened with that. So I, I don't know. I mean, do you get the sense nobody cares about Leon Edwards? No, yeah. It, you, it, you get the it, sense he is. Point, listen, he's good, and he's just so underwhelming that, right? I mean, other yeah. than Sander, I don't see anybody really calling for, <laughs> come on, Leon Edwards, man, he's waiting. Uh, I think he's got a long wait. You know, he 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 only really, listen, he, he won some fights. He got himself to the top. It was as much about that division being cleaned out and showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, is anybody thinking Leon Edwards is going to take out Kamara Usman? Dude, no. I mean, after what um, Muhammad was doing to him, you you kind of have to let it go, don't you? <laughs> well, I, I mean, Leon had the, the – uh, Edwards had the Masvidal fight booked, and then that fell through. I, I think that could have been a spring point, I and mean, he, he could have been in the – but I, I mean, it, it is a guy. He, he was at this point. He was at this point with like where Muhammad and Chamayev are now, and someone and, and falling off. So it's just crazy to think that the ebbs and flows of this division and how really stacked it is. Because you do have a guy like Leon Edwards just lurking it, not really doing that much, but he can still. He's lurking because he hasn't head. gotten a shot because he's either not healthy or you know. Doesn't come up big in a big spot. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's as good as his ranking reflects. I just don't think he's that good. I, I totally agree. The, the the sentiment of, does anybody really care about Leon Edwards? I'm all over that. Yeah, love yeah. that. No. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know why his name is in my head. Part of this sport is is being entertaining and being someone the fans either love or hate. And Leon Edwards is one of those guys where you're like, nah, he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anybody that loves Leon Edwards. I don't know anybody that hates Leon Edwards. I don't think anybody thinks he doesn't deserve to be, you know, in the top five, but no one's like, he's the best. So Johnny Walker without the fans. There you go. Johnny yeah. Walker without the feints is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, the best thing Leon Edwards did was get punched by uh, Jorge Masvidal because now we'll forever have the two-piece in a soda. See? <laughs> but, uh, all right, going from the UFC welterweight division, let's head over to the boxing ring. Earl Spence Jr., TKO's, your Dennis Ugas. Uh, I... I just want to see the Crawford fight. That's all from this. But, uh, Joe, what did you think of the fight? I mean, I think I said that was what was going to happen. I kind of nailed this one. Look, Ugas a great fighter. I said that he was going to have to go out and fight a perfect fight, and that was not going to happen. Uh, obviously, Errol Spence is on another level. And like you said, let's just get to it now. Let, let's let's get Spence in the number one pound-for-pound boxer Uh Terrence Crawford in the ring and let's let's settle this once and for all it's the fight everybody wants I think they can I mean I think boxing can play it enough to really hype up Spence Crawford you know boxing fans want it I think you can make that a super appealing fight you got a couple of really cool guys I think there's a lot to sell with this fight you know again it, it it'll certainly help the reputation boxing has 
of guys not wanting to fight each other. So let's let's get to it now. Enough of the enough of the playing around. You know the, these fights are getting as predictable as NBA playoff series. It's mm-hmm. you know not really doing it for me. Mm-hmm. So let let's. I like the championship rounds. I want to I want to get to the conference finals, Jace. That's really where it matters. That's really where the best teams are always going to come out on top. So let let's get Spence Crawford a sappers. Um, um, heartbroken. Cyril Gaon did did very well against Ngannou, and uh, from how far back I predicted that, I'm okay with the loss. Uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. has something called Rabdo. Um, I'm not very familiar with it. Uh, my wife knew more about the condition than I do, but uh, sad. Because that's the guy I had in this mix, the up-and-comer I had in this mix. His last fight got canceled. Um, he's in the recovery process. All of that said, we could talk about this fight. Um, Ugas, good fighter, not great. This is the mistake boxing keeps making. Ugas is it, and uh, George Cambosis. These are mistakes. These guys are not that good and supposed to be at the place where they are, but instead of fighting each other, you guys keep picking out these guys you think you can beat, and then one of you loses, and now all of a sudden that guy gets some recognition he doesn't really deserve, and you've got a guy with five losses against Errol Spence Jr. instead of a Bud Crawford or an Ortiz Jr. or any of the other eight undefeated guys (laughs) at the top of that division. Um, So thank you, Errol Suss. Spence, but put it to rest. <laughs> get in the ring with Bud. He's that, talking about it now. Instead of sounding scared when he talks about it, he's yeah. You know, I I think when you look at you know, let's throw Ruiz into the mix of those guys. Where that's not the fight you were even supposed to be fighting. How did we get to that? And then you lost. What's wrong with you? You know. Uh, and again, look at Ugas. Ugas made a name for himself by beating somebody he shouldn't have fought. In the he only he was a replacement in the Pacquiao fight, and then he won the friggin' fight. Mm-hmm. It was not supposed to happen. It messed everything up. So you can you can protect your fighters all you want. Clubber Lang's gonna show up eventually. Ah, yeah. <laughs> a little Rocky reference. There you go. I love it, but uh. Yeah, I do what was best for you. (laughs) And and, and really, for the yes, Sander, yep, let's not make the Charlos exempt. Brian Castiano, he won the last fight, he's gonna win this fight. They and and yes, do not exempt these Charlo boys because he's another one of those mistakes. Is Castiano really that good? Who's the other one? Uh, Mario Barrios almost just did it. Is he elite upper echelon guy? No, these guys are not. They're just getting a fight with that guy. And 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 when the stars align, anything can happen. It's the fight game. And that's how Ugas got there. That's how Cambosis got there. And if you guys keep letting these guys get there because you're not willing to fight each other, I mean, keep fooling us into thinking guys with five, six, seven losses are, are world champions. Well, um, dude, right again. The idea that the idea that Teofimo Lopez, 
who who full well knew that Vasily Lomachenko fight was so damn close and would have made such run it back for crying out loud, dude. That's the best pound for pound fighter in the world. That that made perfect sense to do it again, dude. And then imagine if Lopez wins the fight. We'd be in a totally different place right now with that. Instead, he loses like a clown. Yeah. yeah. And now he's out of the mix. I mean, ridiculous. That's a great. The problem is Cambosis and Tiafimo is a great fight prior to the Loma fight. Like they got to that because of the Loma fight. That's how they ended up there. And he was just bigger than Loma. So you're putting him somewhere he doesn't really belong based on a win that happened because you're in a different weight class. And then having him fight the top guys in his weight class based on that win and getting beat up and thinking you didn't get beat up and start acting wilder ah, than you were before. <laughs> Dude, think about this. Joshua versus Wilder right now would be like a Saturday afternoon ABC Wild, Wide World of Sports presentation. It is just, it's not the $100 million fight it was two years ago. Yeah, we lost out on Wilder, Joshua. We lost out on Fury, Joshua. Now we're getting Fury, Dillian White. That's that's the best. Ruiz, yeah. Dude, and you know what? Yeah. Listen, to toll on the Dillian White's credit, not to jump through the show here, but he just kept going out there and beating anybody he could get his hands oh. on. Yeah. And he's fighting named fighters in order to establish himself while the named fighters are avoiding each other. And again, you end up Spence Ugas when when we all want Spence Crawford. So let's yeah. go. And I, I mean, with the Spence Crawford fight, the ball is in Spence's court. I mean, Crawford cut all ties with Bob Aram and that stuff. He's out there. He's a free agent. You can make this happen. There's no promotion or stuff like that getting in the way. So the ball's in Spence's court now after this Ugas fight. So let's get it done. But, uh, all right. Wow. Well, well, this number one, yeah. That's oh, crazy. Dude, that's three years worth of days. Dillian White was the number one contender. <laughs> what? Insane. All right. But, uh, I mean, let's move on. To the who you got revisiting our top five pound for pound list. I know on a lot of people's, a lot of big name media, uh, the CBS's, the ESPNs of the world, that Ugas fight somehow put Earl Earl Spence in, in people's pound for pound. Not Joe, mine. It, it didn't put. He, he's not in yours now. No. I, listen, I got three lists in front of me that I made. I did boxing, I did MMA, and I did my overall who I got top five pound for pound. What do you want? You want all of them? Overall. You want one of them? Overall. You want just you want the overall? My number one pound for pound fighter right now is Terrence Crawford. Number two on my list is Alexander Volkanovsky. I think that guy, like Crawford, is unbeatable. Number three on my list is Kamara Usman. Number four, in a way. And number five, Charles Oliveira. That's your best five fighters in the, on the planet right now, pound for pound. Wow. 
That's a solid list. I oh, wow, I like that a lot. That's I, a blazing hot list of people that you just can't touch right now. That that, that is legit. 100%. 100%. But I I don't know Usman Volkanovski or Usman, that's what that's the that's the only question I have. That's the, it's a good question. I think if you look at the last couple of fights they've had, Volkanovski right now, um, it's not even close. I, I have Adesanya on my top five list in the UFC. He's fifth. I'm I, I'm not watching any more of his counter snooze fests. It's, it's boring. He's got to start dominating if he wants to stay on my list. He's fallen off. I'm looking at killers. Terrence Crawford goes in there and beats your brains in. The best boxer in the world as of right now. I think Alexander Volkanovsky is completely unbeatable. Again, this is a guy who you saw the Ortega chokes. I know you you got smiley for a hot minute on, on, on the two shots. Those were deep. Those were deep and those were good. And you can't, you can't choke out Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky goes underwater for like four, five, six minutes when he's training. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that? That's wild. Yeah. He wants to he, like a half hour though, bro. He doesn't freak out. He, he doesn't, he can't breathe. He's ah, I'm all right. I'll be fine. That's, that's another level brother. That's some Khabib stuff right there. That's some Khabib stuff. Yeah, I think Kamaro yeah. Usman is, is at the top of his game right now. That's why he's number three. Same with in at four to me, three, four was a bigger deal than two, three. In a way, like, it's hard to keep him off this list. Oh, he destroys people. He absolutely destroys people. He is so dominant when you watch him that 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 is a that is a P for P. That's straight up. That's what that's what it's all about. This is a great um, top five list. You can't touch this. No, I've made is. so many MC Hammer references during this little piece right here, and I feel like no one's picking up on it. Okay. Sure. The, the MCM or top five pound for pound list. Okay. <laughs> the nice, All right. Jared, who you got? This is like impossible for me. I mean, but, uh, but, uh, that's a good start. Number one, I Bud, mean. uh, Crawford. <laughs> ah, nice. Well done. He's, he's four. He's fourth. I have Oliveira five. Ooh. Um, Loma's my honorable mention. Hard to keep off this list. Lost to Lopez, but he's a smaller guy, and it's a pound for pound list. And if they're the same size, he wins the fight. I don't think anybody's going to argue that if you remove seven pounds from Tiafima Lopez, that Loma doesn't beat him. And if he's and if he wins that fight, he's easily on this list at one thirty-five. Loma's only not on my list because he's murdering Russians right now at a fast and furious pace back home. So uh, my, my my list will open right back up to him as soon as he's done uh, playing Rambo. Yeah, when you trade guns in the hood, it's called pound for pound. <laughs> so Loma, honorable mention. I have one more honorable mention. I know that's not fair, but Savannah Marshall is going to walk through Clarissa Shields. This is going to be an ugly, ugly Deontay Wilder type after effect when Clarissa Shields realized that the girl that beat her last time will beat her again and never lost a fight isn't even true. 
So Savannah Marshall, keep that name in mind. Five is Oliveira, four is Bud. At three, I have Artur Baturbiev. I left Canelo off this list based on the fact that Baturbiev will beat him. Um, so not body of work, but better fighter. It's a pound for pound list. Uh, now he lost two fights to a guy in the amateurs who he only beat one named Alexander Yusik. So I'm putting cover your mouth Yusik at two ahead of Baturbiev. And I think just the most dominant fighter in all of combat sports right now since the retirement um, is Kamar Usman. Uh, I like that. I So Usman, Yusik, Baturbiev, Bud Oliveira. That's, I, I, I like it. I, I like it a lot. I, I'll like your list better after Baturbiev beats Canelo. Canelo, but I'll I I will give you the benefit of the doubt. Thumbs up. I think that's solid. And to be fair, hey, Yusick was making this list for me when he wasn't making the list for anybody else. And now when I say Yusick coming up from light heavyweight to be the heavyweight champion of the world, and not in a little, it looked like if they stood in the center of the ring and banged out in a folk booth. Yusick would have whooped Joshua's ass. And it looked like if they fought on a football field and had all the room in the world, Yusick would have whooped Joshua's ass. If they had weaponry, Yusick would have whooped Joshua's ass. If they could only use one foot or had to tie a hand behind the back or as long as they're fighting by the same rules, Yusick would have whooped Joshua's ass. So for me to put Baturbiev on this list a little early before he goes out and whoops Canelo's ass, only makes sense if you've been paying attention for the last few years. I'm with you with Usyk, Jared. He's number one for me, but but I'm, I'm going to start at, at the at five. Well, it seems five. like you just started at one, but okay. I, I know, yeah. <laughs> well, but I'm going to go backwards and up. Usyk's number one for me. I, I mean, look at what he did. Coming up, taking care of business against Joshua, having most of the belts. I I, I want to see the Fury fight so bad because I think that'd be so so interesting. Uh, I do, I, I do, I do like Fury to, to beat him just because of the size, though. But this is pound for pound, and I mean, what he's done across weight classes, I I think puts him number one. And I, I, okay, I guess I'll, I'll go one to two. Two, I got Francis and Ganu. Uh, none of you guys had him, but I, I, I think you have that unruly power, that just untamed power. And now he has a, a wrestling game, like to just come out and do what he did to Cyril Gan. No one saw that coming. He, the, he's ever expanding. His game, his repertoire, who knows? He might come out and throw up like a flying triangle next fight. He also might never fight in the UFC again, but we'll see that, how that true. plays out. Okay. He's at the top of his game, and now he's going to go fight in Bellator. Awesome. Good luck. Okay. But, I mean, when when Fedor was at Pride, he wasn't that top, top pound-for-pound fighter? Um. Let me ask you this: Have we have we mentioned a fighter outside of the UFC so far tonight? As far tonight, this morning, uh, and 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 on 
uh, real quick, I'll give you. I'm going to give you my top five pound for pound MMA list. Okay. And you'll notice all of these guys are in the UFC. I'll even go backwards for you. Adesanya, Ngannou, Oliveira, Usman, and Volkanovski. That's my five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Is McKee the best in Bellator, pound for pound? And where, if so, where does he go on that list? I don't think he's. I don't think he would still be on this list. No, but I, 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 it's different. It depends on the guy. You listen, we, you go, no. it, it, dude. It's, it, hold on. It, it's like saying, listen. It's like it's like telling me you got a guy at AAA, like a top prospect at AAA, who's hitting like three fifty with thirty five homers. Like, oh, that's great, but now come do it in the bigs. Even it would not, I mean, the Cejudo loss was rough, but even after, even after that, once Demetrius Johnson was traded, he was still a, a top pound for pound fighter. Not on my list. Okay. I think anybody outside the UFC would have trouble making the top 20 on any of my pound for pound list. Oh, Kayla it's unfortunate. Maybe it's not fair. Kayla Harris may be the reason we get back to cross-promoting oh. the fight game. Kayla Harrison is the answer. Kayla to Harrison. I, I like that a lot. I, lo- yeah, I love her. Match her up against UFC females and go, yeah, maybe. So there is, there's, well, I've got one argument. <laughs> yeah, but the only, the only they issue with. Her out the ear to keep her. The, the only issue with Kayla Harrison is. She, she's naturally 155. If you bring her into the UFC, you're going to have to do a whole cyborg situation again, make a whole new weight class where, and just try and, and what happens if it doesn't work out like cyborg didn't work out. You don't have that star to carry this weight class. But uh, so I, I haven't gotten to, I, I mean, his last fights in the UFC, it wasn't that recent. It isn't like he <laughs> It isn't like he is just fighting all these bums from the other promotion. So uh, I get what you're saying there, Joe, but uh, he's still on there for me. And also, I'm a big guy. I love the heavyweights. That's why the one-two for me. And number three with Tyson Fury, man. I mean, one of the greatest trilogies ever. You're just taking the pound. This is just your pounds. Listen, listen, wait. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be a little. Here's the five biggest also... fighters, literally, that I Number can think one, of. Bob Sap. Number two, no, King but... Bundy. <laughs> listen, listen. I mean, what Tyson Tyson Fury monster? Uh, I mean, Wilder fights were great. I, that's a one. Wilder, I think, beats anyone else. I think he beats a Usyk. I think he. Be, um, yeah, I think he beats a Usyk just with his length, but uh, I, I, I think he beats a uh, a, a Joshua. I, I think is there any Wilder little guys on your two. list? Yes, I will get to them. But uh, and in a way, at three, surrounded <laughs> by these four hundred pound guys, and, and also Tyson Fury, his his mobility, man, like at, at his. At how big he is, his ability to move. I mean, the, that's a, I, insane. I just can't get those guys there, though. What a three in a ways due to, due to Tyson Fury. Whoop his ass. <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 now. Two Lomas over, over Wilder all day. <laughs> okay. 
So the, my, my three heavyweights, top three. Uh, oh, cut 30 pounds. I mean, I don't know. For Harrison, that's that's rough, man. Amanda Nunes does it all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I, I, I don't know. 70 pounds. Yeah, it's, it's, this is, uh, that's not, that sounds a lot easier than it is. And Kayla's got a big frame. Yeah, but uh, all right, all right. My last two, I got Terrence, I, I think they're interchangeable. Terrence Crawford and Kamara Usman, both just dominant out there. I, I do want to put in an honorable mention, Katie Taylor. I think she can be at number one after she beats uh, Amanda Serrano. Uh, coming up here, which we will talk, we'll get into in a couple weeks or uh, next week. I don't know. Hey, yay! Nope. Sorry, Katie Taylor, the best. I, I will. I with Amanda Serrano, I will get. That's the biggest praise I'm gonna give to the the Paul brothers, signing her and now getting this fight done. What? Well, well done. I. Best thing the Paul brother, brothers have done for boxing yet. Her trainer tarnished her legacy for me, and it sucks because I really like Serrano, but I can't hear it without that asshole running through my head of, oh, I thought she was going to come out here and fight like a real Mexican. This girl took a thousand punches, whole thing was busted up, kept pushing forward like she gave Serrano everything she had. And I just want to see that guy get beat up like you didn't take any punches, asshole. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyways, my bad little sidebar. But yeah, Serrano's great. This is going to be a hell of a fight. I know everybody's expecting me just to uh, Katie Taylor my way through that one. But that one's going to be tough, tough, tough fight. Great fight. Stipe, I mean, I hope so. It's close. It's still not a done deal, but it looks like UFC 276. Stipe is going to be the interim champ with Nganu on the mend. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're pretty hard up just to try to get John Jones a belt, huh? <laughs> hey, you yeah. fight Stipe, and uh, we should just give Stipe a belt. So if you beat him, you're the heavyweight champ. Two division champ. Booyah. Dude, that come on, Dana. That's weak. I don't like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, it should be interesting. I mean, who knows if the John Jones can last that long before doing something stupid. So, yeah, that's a lot of UFCs away that from is. where we are currently. Keep him out of Vegas. That, yeah. Yeah. Keep him out of Vegas. Keep him away from his wife and kids. Keep him away from cocaine and alcohol, and maybe he can make it. Females and males and just people and stuff in general. Yeah. Yeah, just keep him locked up till till fight fight night. Yeah, there you go. Let him out of a box. What's hold on real quick? What's the over under on John Jones not getting arrested before UFC 276? Ah, there better be prop bets. (laughs) (laughs) Jones does something dumb. Does John get arrested the weekend before or the Thursday night before the fight? Uh, We'll see. 
Is oh. it alcohol related or cocaine related? <laughs> does, oh, yeah. does, does, wait, does John fail the post fight right. steroid test? That, that's the real one, yeah. Is his B, well, hold on, is his A sample positive or is his B sample positive? <laughs> These are all good prop bets for John Jones. And I love John Jones. You guys know this, but yeah. got to get it out. Got to get it out. Oh, I, I hope that I hope that gets done. I really hope so. <laughs> it, it would be nice to see John Joe. I mean, so we can go a couple Plus more. He's years, a monster but, now, yeah. dude. You're gonna love him even more. He's like two forty five of like rock solid monster muscle. Holy smokes, dude! Yeah, and I mean, Stepe back in the octagon. I mean, I'm you, very you know, excited a, a to real see that. size octagon, Joe. Yeah, well, listen, I don't think they need to play in a sandbox together. You know what I mean? Like, these are big boys. Put them in a big boy ring so that they can move around a little bit. Yeah, okay, okay. All right. Uh, Dude, you ever put two fat babies in one of those little play pens? It's not enough room. It's just not enough room. Uh, Someone's getting cracked in the head with something in the play pen. This is, Gonzalez is a good fighter. Um, he's not going to be great. Apologies, but he's good, not great. All right. All right. We got to get to the fights coming up today, later today and tonight. But, uh, I think he's great. <laughs> I'm going to say Angel Gonzalez. Great. Uh, great fighter. Going to be great. He wasn't uh, in the amateurs. He just wasn't. I also worry about the weight fluctuations. He was uh, at uh, 127. <laughs> are you are you messing with me? He went from like 114 to 127, back to 115, up to 120. Like, what weight class does this guy fight at? Is a legitimate question. Is it 115 or 127? 112 to 127 in nine fights. He's covered the whole spectrum. Didn't really fight anybody. Lost a round at 127. Uh, just fought at 116 and then 120. He's fighting basic nobodies. He was a six and four amateur, and all four of those losses were to slightly above average guys. So, no. Okay. <laughs> No, that's not true. Mike Quan Williams can bang, but it's but I, it, there's there's not there's not one there yet. There's just not one there yet. It's not uh, it's not that I have no love for the CT guys. Why I says sorry? Like I like these guys. Some of them I know and like personally, and I have to be honest with how I feel their their boxing skills stack up. And this uh, and Angel Gonzalez, you know, he's he's a he's a journeyman, twenty and four. At the end of his career, hmm. All right. he's not bad. No, he's not bad, but he's not great either. <laughs> That's a career, you know. But uh, I Williams take... had that same type of career: twenty-five and five, twenty-five and three. You know, lose a few big fights, make some money, and have a good career. It's not that they're bad fighters. It's all love. <laughs> Listen, I think right now, if you're an up and coming boxer, you gotta you want to be a George Cambasos. You want to be looked at as like that guy. I could beat that guy. I'll take that fight because that'll get you a championship fight. And then all you have to do is have the night of your life. Yeah, yeah. 
So there is some hope for Angel Gonzalez, is all I'm saying. Sure. He plays his cards right. And he's doing it right, building his way up. I'd like to see him in the same weight class, not fluctuating 15 pounds over nine fights. Um, but yeah, he's taking the steps the way he ought to and, and getting it done thus far, similar to Mike Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a break, and then let's talk about tonight's fights. So we'll be right back. Come on out for a day of fun to the Cove Kids Classic, presented by Clarity. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Lyman Orchards Golf Club to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cove Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotguns start at 9 a.m. on the player course. Saturday night in the main event at UFC Fight Night 205. It's a women's strawweight bout between former UFC women's strawweight champion Jessica Andrade and Amanda Lemos live from the Apex in Las Vegas. Let's break it down. Amanda Lemos is 34 years old. She's 5'4 with a 65-inch reach and a record of 11-1-1 with seven knockouts and two submissions. From Belém, Brazil, she took an interest in MMA in her 20s making her professional debut in July of 2014 with a first-round knockout and over the next three years went 6-0-1 with all of her victories being by stoppage before losing her UFC debut to Leslie Smith by a lopsided second-round knockout. After a two-year suspension for testing positive for steroids, she returned in December of 2019, defeating Miranda Granger by first-round rear-naked choke. She followed that up with a dominant unanimous decision over Mizuku Inoue and seven months later, put on an electrifying performance, dropping former Invicta champion Livia Souza with a thunderous right cross early in the first round before knocking her out with a powerful jab. In July of 2021, she blasted out Mexico's Montserrat Ruiz in the first round, catching her with an explosive counter right cross and dropping her with a perfectly timed left hook, which prompted the referee to call a halt to the action. On December 18, 2021, she made her biggest step up in competition which she took on the wily veteran Angela Hill, engaging in an action-packed brawl that saw both women rocked with some brutal shots, with Lemos pulling out a razor-thin and controversial split decision. One of the most powerful women in the division, Lemos is excellent at controlling the center of the octagon as she methodically picks her opponents off at distance with leg and head kicks and possesses knockout power in both hands. Jessica Andrade is 30 years old. She's 5'2 with a 62-inch reach and a record of 22-9 with nine knockouts and seven submissions. From Parana, Brazil, Andrade grew up on a farm with aspirations of becoming a soccer player. She was offered a spot in a soccer club in Sao Paulo, but when her parents forbade her from moving, she began training in judo and jiu-jitsu. She excelled at both and earned the nickname Pile Driver when she illegally used the move in an amateur match. She turned pro in 2011 and won seven of her first eight by stoppage before dropping a decision to former heavyweight Invicta champion Jennifer Maia. After winning her next two fights by submission, she was stopped with a brutal ground-a-pound by Liz Carmucci 
in her UFC debut. She bounced back with wins over Raquel Pennington, Larissa Pacheco, and Sarah Moras after losing the rematch with Pennington via rear naked choke. She moved up to strawweight, knocking out Jessica Pinay in two rounds. Andrade followed that victory with a guillotine choke of Joanne Calderwood and a unanimous decision over Angela Hill to put her in line to challenge for the title against Joanna Jacek. In an exciting but one-sided fight, Andrade was thoroughly outstruck by the champion, losing by a wide unanimous decision. Solid wins over Claudia Gavadella, Tisha Torres, and Carolina Kowakowicz earned her a second shot at the title, taking on new champion Rose Namajunas. After getting the worst of the exchange in round one, she was able to pick Rose up and slam her on her head, winning both the title and performance of the night bonus. Her reign was short-lived, however, as in her first defense, she was quickly overwhelmed in a 42-second blitz by Wiley Zhang, who viciously beat her with an onslaught of punches and knees before the referee stopped the fight. The following year, she lost her rematch with Rose Namajumas before moving up to flyweight, stopping Caitlin Chikagian with a powerful left hook to the body. In April of 2021, she challenged flyweight champion Valentina Shevchenko, and despite being known as the more prolific grappler, she was thoroughly out-wrestled and dominated before getting caught in a crucifix and stopped with a merciless barrage of elbows. She returned to the octagon five months later, blowing out Cynthia Calvillo in one round after backing her against the cage and stopping her with an onslaught of right hands. One of the most physically imposing fighters in the division, Andrade is a highly aggressive pressure fighter who possesses tremendous strength, solid grappling skills, and excellent cardio. Will Lemos be able to use her reach and one-punch knockout power to smash her way into the top 10? Or will Andrade dominate with her immense strength and elite-level wrestling as she seeks another shot at flyweight queen pin Shevchenko? Tune in Saturday night to UFC Fight Night, Lemos vs. Andrade, and let's find out. All right, Joe. Um, listen, Amanda Lemos, a very strong person, but I just think that Jessica Andrade's talent is immense. She's got just as as much of a uh, uh, the knockout power. I, I I feel like this could be a really good fight. I I, I like this as a main event because I think you're really going to see two two women uh, that can really throw hands here. I think this fight goes about three. And I think Andrade gets a stoppage either by submission or I think at some point she'll uh she'll you know get her in the and 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 uh pound her away. So yeah, I got Andrade taking taking her out by the third. Well, I, I I'm with you. I think I, I like Andrade. What I I think she is. The ultimate number two. She's all the ultimate, like the Max Holloway says, Robert Whitaker. She does it in both divisions, Joe. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you too. I you know if it wasn't Andrade, uh, obviously had a fight after Shevchenko, uh, and and against Cynthia Cavallo, and and was dominant and looked great in that fight. I would be, I would give Lemos more of a chance in this one if this was coming off the Shevchenko disaster. Because my goodness, that was a terrible fight for Jessica. Yeah. Is, is Angela Hill really good? What the hell is going on here? That's my question. 
Does anybody have any idea what the... Okay, so the number 10 strawweight comes off a dominant split decision victory over the number 12 strawweight, moves up to flyweight, and fights the number one contender. Does anybody know what's going on here? Why does the number 10 seed move up a weight division and fight the number one contender coming off a no, split uh, decision? Wait, wait. Uh, Andrade is coming down. It's at straw weight. Andrade is coming back down. Oh, still. Does that make you feel any better? Not really. Yeah. Not really. Come down and fight Rose. Come down and smash a spark. You have the win against Rose. These guys. You know, listen, by the way, and I'll say this, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up I'm glad you brought up Angela Hill's name, and I know you're an Angela Hill fan, Jared. I mean, this this woman gets robbed fight after fight after fight. I mean, I wish Angela Hill had a little more lead in that right where she could finish people off because, my God, whenever it goes to the judges' scorecard, Angela Hill always comes up somehow on the short end of the stick. Yep, there's another one of those. Um... Tisha Torres. Watch Tisha Torres fights. Just a little more pop. She's getting most of those people out there. She's winning the striking every time. And yeah, just this much. No. You watch all of her fights and tell me which ones you're sure she lost. Um, but uh, but Angela Hill right around 12 makes sense to me. Lee most fights her at 10. Split decision. Okay, could have gone either way. And then the number one contender, a weight class above, comes down and fights a ba- like based on your win over Angela Hill. What are we doing? Are you working your way back up straw weight? I just don't know what's going on here. I'm having trouble understanding why you, Chad Dawson came down. You know who Chad Dawson came down and fought? Andre Ward. You don't like drop a weight class when you're dominant in both weight classes and fight the number 10 person who came off a split decision win against number 12. Think about that. The number one contender is coming down a weight class and fighting number 10 who just split with number 12. Who do you think's going to win? Yeah, I'll take Andrade too. Moving on. <laughs> I think that they're thinking this is going to be a banger. And that this this will be two women who have strength and knockout power, and you give them a fight night to sort of show off the power of the women's game. You know what I mean? I I think this is meant more to be a sh- because listen, Amanda Limos hasn't I, I don't think has earned her way to a headlining event. I don't I don't see it. I don't see it at all. This is also somebody that hadn't been suspended a few years ago for steroids. So I know people hate that too. So the fact that she doesn't have a high rank and is getting somebody like Andrade here in a main event, I can only think this is they're thinking about the power these two women possess and how cool it might be for one to knock the other one senseless, get a KO in the main event with these two women. I think that would be good for the women's game for the casuals who I don't think can appreciate when these ladies go five rounds of grappling and you know what I mean? It's unfortunate. If you're on Draj, what's the point? You saw what Leslie Smith did to her, get her in the clinch and bang her up. 
Yeah. Why do you not do that if you're Jessica Andrade? You'd have to have this Ronda Rousey. I could knock anybody. You'd have to have something going wrong where you want to look good today and win tomorrow to be vulnerable in this fight. Pull, push her up against the cage, be the bigger, stronger person, and just dominate the fight. And that's what she'll do. Stand in the in the middle of the cage and trade with some. That's the only chance Lemos has. Don't do that. I, I think Lemos needs to look at the at the Wiley fight as maybe the model of let me just go and let me bring the blitz early and see what I can do because that seemed to work. Well, then you that, know that's her shot. That's the shot here because uh, these two yeah. get get a hold of each other. It's going to be, um, I think it may surprise some people how much stronger Andre is. Yeah, what a uh, stronger person. I, I mean, they have they have the floor as far as combat sports goes tonight. I mean, bo- boxing's during the day. The competition is the first round of the NBA or final uh, NBA playoffs. So you talked about how you don't care about those. You only care about the championship. So the spotlight's there. Will Lemos and Andre perform? I think they will. And uh, I think Andre gets it done. Uh, Andrade gets it done. TKO uh, early. I'll go two. I think Lemos is tough enough. But, uh, yeah. All right. But now let's talk about the big, big fight. Heavyweight championship fight three best words in all of combat sports heavyweight championship fight and we got it tyson fury returns to the ring i mean we talked about it before no Deont. we lost we missed out on the deontay wilder joshua fight the joshua fury fight in london but now we got the fury and dillian white fight so joe is gonna break it down Interim WBC heavyweight champion Dillian White will face off against WBC heavyweight champion Tyson Fury on Saturday night at Wembley Stadium in London in an all-British affair. Let's break it down. Dillian White is 33 years old. He's six foot four with a 78-inch reach and a record of 28 and 2 with 19 knockouts. From Port Antonio, Jamaica, White moved to London at the age of 12, where he took up kickboxing as a way to stay off the streets. He went on to become a two-time British kickboxing champion, amassing a record of 20-1 and before embarking on a brief amateur career that saw him defeat future heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua. After getting signed by promoter Frank Maloney, who was impressed with his sparring sessions with David Hay and Rampage Jackson, he made his professional debut in May of 2011 with a unanimous decision over Michael Matasuski. He quickly went 16-0 with 13 knockouts before picking up the vacant WBC Silver International title with a third-round left-hook knockout of Brian Minto. In his next fight for the vacant British title, he took on former amateur rival Anthony Joshua, where after an exciting and action-packed fight, he suffered his first loss when he was knocked out cold by a powerful uppercut in round seven. He bounced back six months later with a six-round knockout of Ivica Bakurin, and steadily began working his way back up the rankings with decisions over David Allen, Robert Hellenius, and former WBO champion Joseph Parker, as well as sensational one-punch knockouts over Lucas Brown and Derek Chisora. In July of 2019, he picked up the vacant WBC interim title with a hard-fought decision over the dangerous 
Oscar Rivas, and after a suspension for an inconclusive drug test, he followed that up with a dominant victory over former title challenger Marias Wach. On August 22, 2020, he took on longtime heavyweight contender Alexander Povetkin, dominating the early rounds with his powerful combinations and scoring two knockdowns in the fourth round until he was knocked out cold by a perfectly timed thunderous counter uppercut 30 seconds into the fifth round. After several delays due to Povetkin contracting COVID-19, the two met again in March of 2021, with White evening the score with a savage fourth-round knockout. A highly skilled boxer-puncher, White cuts off the ring well while utilizing a solid jab to set up a devastating body attack and possesses one-punch knockout power in his left hand. Tyson Fury's 33 years old. He's 6'9", with an 85-inch reach and a record of 31-0 with one draw and 22 knockouts. From Manchester, England, Fury was born into a boxing family, which includes his father, brother, and cousin, former middleweight champion Andy Lee. He began training at 10 years old and quit school by the age of 11, going on to win the 2007 EU Junior Championships and the 2008 English National Championships, but decided not to wait for the 2012 Olympics, opting instead to turn pro on December 6, 2008, with a first-round knockout after amassing an amateur record of 31-4. and four. He won his next five in a row all by stoppage before defeating John McDermott on points to win the English heavyweight title. In his 15th fight, he defeated Derek Chisora by unanimous decision to claim the British and Commonwealth titles, and after knocking out former cruiserweight champion Stephen Cunningham, he defeated his old rival Chisora again, this time by 10th-round TKO to win the European heavyweight title. On November 28, 2015, he took on the long-reigning Hall of Fame legend Vladimir Klitschko, frustrating the champion with his size and awkward movement, scoring unanimous decision to claim the WBA, WBO, and IBF heavyweight titles. However, his success was short-lived as his mental health began to rapidly deteriorate after the fight. He ballooned up to 330 pounds, and after testing positive for cocaine and androlone, he chose to vacate the belts, and the British Boxing Board of Control suspended his license. After three years of legal battles to reinstate his license, Fury signed with promoter Frank Warren and returned to the sport in June of 2018 with a fourth-round knockout of Safer Safari and later challenged WBC champion Deontay Wilder, outboxing him throughout and surviving two knockdowns to come away with a split draw. He followed that up with a quick knockout of Tom Schwartz and then survived a nasty cut over his eye to put a unanimous decision over Otto Whalen. In 2019, he split with former trainer Ben Davison, choosing to train at Detroit's world-famous Kronk Gym under the tutelage of Sugar Hill Stewart, and on February 22, 2020, fought a rematch with Wilder, putting on an absolute masterclass, overwhelming and battering the champion en route to his seventh-round stoppage as Wilder lay helpless on the ropes. On October 9, 2021, the pair concluded their rivalry with an epic clash that ranks among the greatest fights in boxing history, with both men surviving multiple heavy knockdowns as the fight ebbed and flowed until a powerful right cross sent Wilder crashing face first to the canvas as the referee waved off the fight early in round 11. Surprisingly fast and agile for his size, Fury uses his massive frame well, controlling the distance behind his long jab, and locks up his opponents with his arms to stifle their inside attacks. He also possesses excellent head movement and is a master of psychological warfare. Will the brutal body attacks and devastating one-punch power of White be enough to wrest the titles from Fury? Or will the slick boxing and ring IQ with a Gypsy King prove to be too much as he continues to cement his legacy 
as the greatest heavyweight fighter of his era? Tune in Saturday night and let's find out. All right. I mean, Joe, who comes out victorious later today? Tyson Fury's going to drop Dillian White in the third round, again in the fourth round, and the fight will be over when he drops him in the fifth round. I think Tyson Fury is, I think the fight's going to get off to a slow start. First couple rounds, Dillian White's going to look decent. And then I think from there, just watching these the, the fights and watching how Dillian White fights, it's somebody like Tyson Fury is, this is too much for Dillian White. I, I don't I don't think he's in the same league as Tyson Fury as a fighter. You talked about it earlier, Jason, your pound for pound list. The way this guy moves at that size, the way he's able to use his frame to control these fights. I mean, he's you know, this guy's been boxing since he was three years old. We talked about this in all of the wilder fights that you know Tyson Fury's forgotten more about boxing than Dante uh, Deontay Wilder will ever know. I I like Dillian White. Again, this is a guy who's been Going out there and getting the job done and 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 winning fights, but this is this is going to be too much for him. And I and I think once Tyson Fury settles in, it's going to be it's going to be a series of Dillian White getting popped and dropped uh, until it ends. Um, I, I this is a very dangerous fight. I mean, Dillian White's a better boxer than Wilder, and Wilder knocked Clip Fury and knocked him down a few times. I'm. Just kidding. Um, Tyson Fury. Uh, I like Joe's analysis. Knocks him down in the third. Twice in the fourth. And it I could go for two in the four, yeah. 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 Make it to the fifth. Two in the fourth. <laughs> oh, look at this. Look at this. Fight. Finished in the fourth. Fury's been trading as a southpaw for this fight. I imagine it's so he can better land the uppercut, which is how White has been knocked out each time. Of course, right? Also, their familiarity with sporting uh-huh. partners it should confuse him. Sure, he'll have never seen Fury coming from the left side. Uh, yeah, again, dude, this is what makes Tyson Fury so good is, I mean, you know, again, we mentioned it. it and by the way, uh, Tony, uh, another fantastic job uh, putting the the tail of the tapes together. The research and the work on these is, is impeccable. Again, it, it going through these fights and, and putting these clips together, again, you know, uh, and I'm glad that you pointed it out, Tony, he does get hit with that with that la- that uppercut. You know, again, Tyson Fury's the kind of guy who goes into a fight with a game plan. Not only is he gonna psychologically, dude. You see them yesterday at the at the pre con. Uh, they were like dancing and stuff. They had a little dance party. Him and uh, Dillian White and Tyson Fury. Fury's already in his head. <laughs> he's already in his head. And he's yeah. just. I, I mean, I just. I think he's. I think Dillian White's going to get off to a nice start. I think in round two, people are going to be like, oh, maybe something's going to happen here. And then the third, fourth, and fifth, it's going to get ugly. And I think that's when Fury's just going to start battering this guy. And again, just sort of, I mean, look, White's a big boy too. The way Fury uses that frame, Jace, you got to love that. Yeah. And I think think this is going to be quick. I, I think... Less than like five rounds, maybe. Like I, I think, especially since they they have sparred a little bit together, I, I think someone's gonna know who got the best, and they're gonna know going into that ring. Tyson Fury's better, and I, I think he just puts it on, and I think he just has, I mean, that confidence from those sparring sessions and 
the confidence of being the the greatest, the, the baddest man on the planet right now. And I I, I just think Dillian White is is boxing's Derek Lewis. Like maybe he can land something, maybe. But uh, most of the time, when you're going up against those top guys, you ain't coming out on top. So that's funny because I had four of those: Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis, Dillian White, and there's one more boxer that are all kind of that guy. But Sander, this is no good. Let me ask you a question: Is does he have that chance because he punches harder than Deontay Wilder, or because he's more athletic? This doesn't make any sense here. Because uh, Wilder hit him with punches that I think like 100% of other human beings aren't capable of throwing. So you tell me what that punch White throws, that how that looks, that separates Tyson from his consciousness. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. He's maybe more capable of landing that shot. But it's not going to be Deontay Wilder winding up with a right hand with the athleticism and power he puts behind it. You can't hit Tyson Fury like De- Deontay Wilder hit him and didn't finish him. So Multiple, multiple times over the three <laughs> fights, dude. How many times did he square land on Fury, drop Fury, and he got up? What, like, this guy's, this he's like the Undertaker, dude. I, lo- I love Tyson Fury because, again, it's like he's in your head. Mm. I'm telling you, I, I said it in, in the first fight, dude, it's the split draw. When 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 Wilder dropped Fury, it looked like he was unconscious. He wasn't he wasn't even going to be able to stand there when the referee raised Wilder's hand for the knockout win. It was like he the goes, Undertaker. You thought it was fake. Like I had right? WWE yeah. stuff going on inside of me. Like what? <laughs> He's that was up. that was crazy. And I'm telling you, I believe from that moment forward. Tyson Fury knew that Don Deontay Wilder could hit him with a crowbar in the jaw and he was going to get up from it. And I think once you're right, Jared, I mean, I think once, you know, if, if, if you know, my best punch, isn't going to knock you out. There is no fear in your heart. You, you're not worried about that. You don't want to get hit obviously, but now suddenly the fear of me landing one flush, you're like, okay, I'll get up. Uh- there were, uh, I can't remember if it was Sugar or Cuss that said uh, that the that um, the best and worst thing that ever happened to Ali was the Foreman fight. Realizing he could take that kind of punch was the best and worst thing that ever happened to him. He was like, oh, I'm durable as hell. I can just, you know, rope-a-dope, wear people down. These, these things he started doing that other people weren't really doing yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, Fury beats up Dillian White. I don't see this uh, going very well. I don't think Dillian has the power or the athleticism that Wilder had, and Wilder couldn't get it done. No, yeah. If I mean, uh, talking about a guy who's struggling to be at the top of the heavyweight division going up against a guy top pound for pound. So I, I think it, it, I, I do expect – I, I, I'm. I think really, Tyson Fury's entrance is going to be like the most like. That's going to be like the most exciting for the longest period of time because I think Tyson Fury is going to end it quick. I think more time on the entrance, going all the way down Wembley Stadium, 
then this fight's gonna last. Have you? You just reminded me of something. You ever explained a haiku? You ever done a haiku? Yeah, like, five, five. haiku called epiphany. You're allowed 17 syllables to say something prophetic, you know. So uh, epiphany is, oh, so she wants me to love her the way she would love her if she was me. But the thing about a haiku is it takes longer to explain what you're doing than the actual performance. And you're right, Jace. That's likely to happen here tonight with the Dillian <laughs> White Tyson Fury fight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the only thing Dillian White has going for him is, like, Tyson Fury hasn't felt his strongest punch. He hasn't felt his best punch. That's why Tyson. That's why the two fights at with Wilder. I was so confident. The last two fights, I was so confident in Tyson Fury because he he felt. He, he he took Wilder's best punch and got back up. Dillian White, he he has that going for him, maybe, but I I just don't think Dillian White has the Wilder power. So oh, shout out to Donnie Leffingwell. I did a five round scrub scrap with a kid named uh, Donnie Leffingwell, and he was man, big right hand, strong strong kid, stout, and uh, he was trying to kill me with that right hand the whole fight. And in the fourth round, right in the beginning, we came out, we touched gloves, we moved around maybe 10, 15 seconds in. Pow! We landed that right hand he'd been trying to land for for the first three rounds, right in the beginning of the fourth. And I went, boom! Oh, good punch. And touched his glove. And the something changed. It was the worst thing that could have happened to him. That he finally lands that big punch. He did exactly what he was trying to do. And then fell into that same deep water he was trying to get out of for the first three rounds. And realized, if that doesn't work, you know, what, what, what am I doing? What am I going to do? Wilder, when you're being outboxed round after round after round and you finally land that punch and the guy goes, hey, good shot, kid. Where do you go then? It's defeating. And I think you're right. Fury knows that. I lean in and let you bang me with a sledgehammer. You know, I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to outbox you minute per minute, round per round, second per second for the whole fight. And win mostly every exchange. So land that punch. I don't care. And that person's dangerous. That's a dangerous, dangerous individual that goes, you can't hurt me. Your power can't hurt me. I'm good. Yeah, uh, I much water at the end of the first for fourth round. I even yelled across the ring, "Don't drink the water," and he said, "It tastes so good." <laughs> Couple body shots in the uh, in the fifth, and I told you not to drink the water, and that was that was what it was. Tough kid, right. tough kid. All right, this is I, I'm. It, it should be great. It's gonna be a great show. Uh, I mean, Wembley full. Uh, English fighters, like, it's going to be packed. It should be exciting. I expect Tyson Fury to get it done. And hopefully he can get the winner of uh, Joshua Usyk, too. You think Anthony Joshua will be in attendance at Wembley Stadium tonight, or is he going to be home, like, sitting there like, son of a bitch, this is supposed to be me. He's in his corner watching the fight on his phone, like, cutting away everybody. (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh damn oh. 
I'm gonna uh, fight John Jones at one of those. Tyson undercard. Hey, I mean, Francis Ngannou is a free agent right now, right? <laughs> hey, he has talked about boxing. <laughs> And the fact that that I, me saying it out loud, I'm believing it more. That, that that's that's an actual possibility. But uh, I don't know if you also saw Sander just threw in the uh, in the comments. Floyd is fighting an exhibition. It's going to be the world's first NFT fight. I mean, Jesus. my God, C- can this guy be any more annoying? Honestly. I I I I don't I don't I don't want to see Floyd Mayweather do anything except learn to read. I don't there's nothing else I need from this guy. Just go away. Please. Yeah, and but, the, the guy who single-handedly ruined boxing. I I don't I don't want to see pictures of it. Not interested. He, he. He, he talks about right being his businessman when it comes to boxing and that stuff, like picking the, the right fights, making the most money. Will you use some of that money, invest it in something else and start so you, you don't have to get in the ring every couple of years just to get another paycheck? If you're this That's what being a stuff. fighter is. What? It's like, dude, listen, I want to be a major league baseball player. I don't want to throw anything or swing. Uh, that's not how this works. If you want to be a fighter, fighter you have to fight. That's oh what. Oh my God, Don Moore, eighteen zero and one with twelve knockouts, has a draw against Juan Raul Lopez, who was one two and one at the time of the draw. Pop quiz of his eighteen wins on his eighteen and zero record. How many? Guys with winning records has Don Moore fought four zero. Come the on, there is absolutely none. Five and 16, six and 14, five and nine, six and 22, 12 and 41, oh, and six, 10 and 18, one and one, two and six, oh, and five, three and three, one, two and one. That's the draw. Two and four, oh, and one, two and seven, oh, and three, one and seven. My wife goes 500 against those guys. Thanks for the memories, Floyd. Get the hell out of the way. This is disgusting. I didn't know this was happening. I'm just finding out now. I didn't know. crazy? Time. Holy smokes, oh my dude. God, Don it's, Moore? It's, it's, I, I, His nickname's Lesses. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, at this point, if you're Floyd, go, go into like WWE, go do that stuff. Because, I mean... Yes. Go be in entertainment. Go yeah. be in the entertainment business. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not, it's, not, it's not the exhibition that, that's angering about it. It's the fact that only one guy has a chance to win. Why are we watching fights where only one guy... You know what you call a fight where only one guy has a chance to win? That's a bully. Yeah. yeah. That's a bully. He's paying somebody. To get beat up. He's bullying people. He's finding somebody he could beat that'll take a paycheck. I'd take that paycheck. I'd take that paycheck and that ass whooping. But that makes you a bully, Floyd. I'm going to come home with a black eye and a broken nose 
and be able to feed my family and buy a new house. And I'd do that. And so would you. And so would you. But that's bully stuff, isn't it? Isn't getting into yeah. only fights you can win bully shit? That's Will Smith's shit. Excuse me. If that had been The Rock, he wouldn't have done it. It's bully shit. If that had been me, he wouldn't have done it. You don't want to fight. Will Smith, I'll fight Floyd Mayweather Jr. Floyd and Will Smith. Those are the guys on my list. You want to fight somebody, fight somebody who'll fight you back. This is ridiculous. Fought some Asian kickboxer who cried after the fight. Like, yeah. how many millions of dollars did that kid make? It was the, it was his shot as a paycheck. Sander asked, what would you guys say if the other guy beats the shit out of Floyd? Here's my oh, question for you, Sander. What's the name of the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> Get back to me when you know that guy's name because it right. seems highly unlikely that guy, the other guy, as you named him, is going to beat Floyd. One, two, Floyd three. wouldn't take a fight if he thought the other guy had a chance. You're 7-0 and oh, and you had a draw to a guy that's 1-2-1. One, and one. And now you're fighting Floyd Mayweather. And his last fight, by the way, 9-24-16. Sander, that's my point. Nobody knows who the other guy is. It, it, it doesn't matter who the other guy is. The other guy's not going to be a guy who has any chance to beat Floyd Mayweather. Like, he must be from Connecticut. Don Moore must be from Connecticut. That's what Sanders. That's what he's <laughs> That's this guy from Connecticut. Indiana. Now it just doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Nobody knows who this guy is, and he's fighting one of the greatest fighters in the history of the planet. And that's disgusting. That's disgusting. Wilt Chamberlain boxed. Okay, that's an exhibition. Hulk Hogan and Rocky. That was an exhibition. This, this is a bully. This is a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. And it's I don't want to watch Floyd off. Mayweather fight Thunderlips. Seriously. It's uh, right. what was the guy's name? That uh, man in the moon. Andy Kaufman started yeah. watching chicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just being the heel, like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't see where's the victory in that. You don't, it's, it reminds me so much of the Will Smith thing because it's, you don't get any points for that. You don't have there... said that. I've had people say things and damn, it seems like you would normally smack that kid. Yeah, but I don't get any points for that one. Who was the wrestler who beat up Andy Kaufman? Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was all the work the whole time. Andy Kaufman was just a big wrestling fan. Sander, here's something from my brother for you. Mayweather's career ran concurrently with Mosley and De La Hoya and didn't fight either until they were at the end of their careers. Again, he didn't want to fight people who he thought he could lose to. No, not, not after a certain point in his career. That That's not true coming up. He, this guy fought Diego Corrales when nobody wanted to. To be fair, Diego Corrales was uh, he had just beat a Oscillator Freitas in a great fight. Um, but if I scroll back to his 20s, I'm going to find uh, Emmanuel Augustus, Diego Corrales, Carlos Hernandez, Jose Luis Castillo. People weren't excited yeah. about fighting. Listen, he he Corey, stopped fighting. John, John He's Zab Judah. There's some good fighters here, but yes, then as he well, got but right, but there was a time where Floyd had to fight good fighters until he got himself in a position where he could pick and choose the fights, yeah, and then wait and fight guys towards the end of their careers when. 
those fights made more sense five to seven years earlier. And if you subscribe to the sport of boxing being ruined, then he had the biggest hand in it. He blew yes. that. He he blew that Drew print. Yeah, him and Shane Mosley first titles both won in '99. And when did they when did they fight? Oh. After Junior Welty. Yeah, right? I mean, give me a break, dude. That 11 years in the making. And this is this is why we end up this is why we end up losing out on all these big money fights today. It's because of Money Mayweather. Yeah. You let these fights marinate until the point where nobody even wants to see it and then you're going to try to suck 100 million dollars out of the fight through pay-per-views to for fights that we wanted to see 5 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it and it's um, I'm telling you, it's a tired, it's a tired old formula that boxing is using now, and Floyd Mayweather is a hundred percent responsible for it. Yeah. That's why we don't like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, and not not even like you're getting these fights way past when they should. I mean, you have we talked, we've been talking about it all show. You have these guys losing out on opportunities like the Joshua Wilder, Joshua Fury. You have all these lost opportunities as well. So it's it's just um, it's a mess. Brother. I love this idea, Sander. I love this. We still talk about the Super Six. They tried to do this once, a little round-robin type tournament. Don't they still, like the World Series of Boxing, they still have these sort of tournaments they where... Have, uh, they have some of them. They, they should mainstream it, though. Yes. So I think this uh, is... I, I, uh, yes. have to fight each other if they're healthy. Yep. Yeah, uh, get rid of it. Have all the, the the WBC, IBF, bring all of them, put them in a tournament. Okay. Dude, just think okay. about how many times the WBC or the IBC or the ABC decides, hey, you got to fight the number one contender next or we're stripping your belt. Like, I mean, dude, you know, they're, they're in essence dictating what the fights are going to be. And then you just oh. make them the number one contender. What do you want to bet Don Moore somehow ends up with a ranking on one of these oh, shitty? It's all you need. You 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 get yourself. I, I mean that that's what that's why I'm saying for somebody like Angel Gonzalez. Yeah. There, I mean, there, there's there, listen, Jared. I would say there's better opportunity for a guy like that now than ever before, just yes. because. You're if if you're pretty decent, but they don't think you're great. You're gonna yes. get to you're gonna get good fights against people. All you gotta do is combasso somebody or Ruiz their day, and 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 there you go. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, uh, I love it. I love the discussion. I mean, we can talk about it all day. Got to move on. I mean, nice little round table discussion about. Boy, money Mayweather on what he's done. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a mess. But uh, speaking of roundtable discussions, that's what we got for the flurry today, Jared. So hit us with it. So um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about the differences between kids today or human beings in general and human beings 20, 30, 40 years ago, 20, 30, 40 years from now. We're going to subscribe to Darwin's theory of evolution for this and say that we're getting better at what we do. So when humans evolve, what is the thing going to be that I'll tell you what, we're at the food, top of the food chain. It's not our fingernails or our teeth that puts us there. 
right? Why are we at the top of the food chain? Okay, our minds. That's the part of us that's evolving, right? I'm going to say some very, very controversial stuff, and I'm going to let you guys say it for me, so forgive me ahead of time. So the brain evolves in human beings, right? So if, we, if we're riding with that, right, and every form of, of evolution, every time evolution takes hold, it has certain mutations, right? There are downsides to it, right? So what's going to be different, do you think, about human beings in general 20, 30, 50 years from now? In 2050, how will the average human being be different fundamentally than they are now? Where are we headed? Much, much more uh, computer driven. Much, much more reliant on that. I think in the future, I think people's eyesight will evolve to uh, be more conducive to looking at a screen as opposed to looking at our surroundings. You got to understand how eyes work, right? I mean, your your eyes are going to evolve to things that are important. And for us, you know, eyesight originally was for us to hunt and forage, and we don't do that now. You go to Stop and Shop to get your meat and vegetables. You're not out there grabbing it yourself. And so, again, the reliance on screens and computers, I think you're going to see just a complete evolution of, of this all uh, being more conducive to, to using screens than actually looking at what's around us. Yeah. I'm actually I'm on the same line of thing as you, Joe. Like I, I think, yeah, everything's gonna be a screen. I think we aren't that far off from like just augmented reality, like glasses everywhere. I mean, I think fat fingers are gonna go away too. I think fingers are gonna become longer and thinner and more conducive again to typing. Yeah. Which will be nice. I'll miss them. <laughs> Um, and what does this mean as far as what would all of these things mean? Longer fingers for typing, augmented reality, speed on screen, processing, faster technology, eyesight, uh, more computer driven. What do these things mean for uh, interaction? Yeah, well, uh, listen, it's going to be um, less interaction, less social interaction, more isolation. It, you know, it seems like if if Elon Musk and Zuckerberg have their way, we'll be spending a lot of time in the metaverse. You guys know what the metaverse is? It's a whole world of virtual reality that Elon Musk wants most of us to live in in the future. Probably because he doesn't want us to eat all the food is my guess. And so if he sticks us in a, in a room in cyberspace somewhere where you could just, you know, have sex with animatronic ladies and you know do the cocaine and drink milkshakes on demand you're not going to want to leave jace right sure i guess I, I <laughs> that place is dope you know it is no it is it is you could uh, buy you know you could buy a house in the metaverse now interesting but uh, i i think is, is that really getting away from social interaction though i just think it is social interaction just with technology being involved i think what we're really going to lose out Bro, when is you're playing madden like you're playing stuff. madden you know john madden's not really there right I, no i i know but like you, you you're not going mean, to interact that's with not really chris collinsworth isn't really watching you play okay, and he's not really I, calling i'm the not game. talking about that but i'm talking about your opponent you, you're playing against 
you're talking to them, you're talking smack. That's still social interaction. It's you're talking to another meta personality. That's probably not what that person's like in real life, right? Uh, yeah, in that, in that place, they're a big tough guy. In real life, the guy's yeah. a little skinny accountant, that, that right? No, yeah, so, that's what I'm saying. You're less, you have less, that. less that's genuine, less yeah. genuine interaction, more um what happened to Manti Teo? More of that catfishing stuff where you're not you're never gonna be talking to who you think you are. Yeah. So watch the phone sex of the future. It's more often than not, probably gonna be somebody you didn't want to be doing it with. That's my thought. I think less empathy. Yeah. I think that's going to be a bit, I mean, we're already seeing it, but I think that's going to continue and it's only going to get worse. Um, might seem like I'm having a strange reaction to that. You guys are so perfect. Thank you. Um, I was talking about to my wife about being diagnosed high functioning autistic and how um, I think it's evolution. I don't think that, like you say, disorder and people automatically put a negative connotation on it. But when you think like I'm not as good with social cues, but I'm better with numbers and technology, that my learning is just disordered. And I looked up a list and we sat and we went through a list of people that would likely qualify as autistic based on today's standards. Elon Musk, you mentioned high functioning autistic. You mentioned Zuckerberg, Darwin, who we started the conversation with, Einstein, Carl Sagan, Thomas Edison, Emily Dickinson, Tim Burton, Bobby Fischer, the greatest chess player of all time, do you know? That Lionel Messi's nickname when he was a kid was Little Mute. The translation for his nickname was Little Mute. Steve Jobs, Isaac Newton, Nikola Tesla, Temple Grandin, Beethoven, Mozart, Michelangelo, Emily Dickinson, George Orwell, Lewis Carroll, Mark Twain, Henry Ford, Nietzsche. They did the internet. They did the phone. They did the television. They did the car. They did writing. They did chess. They did soccer. They were the best at everything. What if I told you that this isn't something wrong, but that low-functioning autistics are forms of the mutation of what is evolution, and that in the future, people will be, according to you guys, more computer-driven, have better eyesight, better with technology, faster processing speed, better speed on screen, thinner fingers, less social interaction more isolation not good with genuine interactions less empathy i was telling her that i thought high functioning autism is in fact a form of evolution when a helicopter flew over our heads and she said well if all of those things were autistic people like that had to take something crazy to think up. Like, was that person autistic? And I looked up the Wright brothers, and according to the person that put together their biography, yes, both of the Wright brothers would qualify as autistic by today's standards. So my question is, in 2050, 2060, 2070, 
You bring today's tests for autism to those children, and every one of them qualifies. We are evolving, and this is what it looks like. And you would end up with a number that's one in 4,000 10 years ago. That's one in 40 today, wouldn't you? Wouldn't everything look exactly like it looks if autism was in fact a form of evolution? Thank you, guys. Wow. That's wild to think about. Jeez. That's, that's, you just like, my brain is just exploded. Like, I don't know. That's a lot. But thanks, Blackjack. Wow. Damn. And we don't Good. call it the flurry for nothing, huh, boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, get you. Some. I know that one's probably personal for you, and I for both of us. I love you guys. Love you too, brother. But uh, all right. <laughs> That's going to do it for throwing jabs. Enjoy the fights. Take some time. Ponder this flurry. Think about it. Really, really actually think about it. And see what you come up with yourself. But what Jared asked. So that's the call to action. And let us know. Comment down below. Let's let's make the flurry a discussion. Why not? It was a discussion between us. Let's extend it. Use the, the technology and the future to extend it. So, yeah. Get in the comments. Let's have a little discussion. But, uh, all right. That's going to do it for throwing jabs. We'll see you next week to recap the big heavyweight fight and preview any other upcoming fights. For myself, Big Jace, Joe Aguirre, and Jared Jones. Take care, and we will see you next time. Peace out. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jace, Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, count punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.